The Inside Vegas Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by MyBookie. MyBookie.ag is the official online sportsbook of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network and the Inside Vegas Podcast. As always, enter promo code SGP50 for a 50% deposit bonus today. You play, you win, you get paid at MyBookie.ag. Sports Gambling Podcast Network is also brought to you by Amazon. You probably already shop at Amazon, but why not shop at Amazon and support the Sports Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network? All you have to do is log on to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Amazon. Bookmark that link and use it every time you shop at Amazon. And again, Inside Vegas t-shirts available at Amazon as well. Welcome into the Inside Vegas podcast. April in the rear view. May is looking us in the face. We have Kentucky Derby. We have UFC events, baseball in full swing. And what we're going to talk about today, something I don't usually touch on too much, and that is the soccer world. We are going to be tying a bow on the EPL season that was, as well as looking forward to the Champions League semifinals that kick off today. So this one's coming out a day early for you, as well as any futures, how these four remaining teams match up. For this episode, we are joined by Mill. You can find him on Twitter at Money Mills Mark is one of the brightest soccer minds I know, professional soccer better uh, out there in Canada, snowy Canada. Um, so I hope you guys enjoyed this interview. He's done, again, so much you know, great stuff in this space, has done various videos of his soccer content with Blitz Predict, anything and everything in the space of soccer, he will have you covered. So we're going to go over all of that, look at the season of EPL. Philosophically, if you're not you know getting into the uh, soccer space for the first time, some tips, tricks that can kind of help you become better in the soccer space. So again, this is Mill. Hope you guys enjoy the interview. And now joining me on Inside Vegas, soccer aficionado, somebody who knows the market better than just about anyone I have seen out there, the mill at Money Mills Mark, M-0-N-E-Y. How is everything in what I believe to be you just in a, a snow um, coma up there in Canada? Is it still freezing <laughs> up there? Have you broken from winter? How is everything up there, my man? Spring where I am has got to be the worst season in the world anywhere. It's it rains, it's hot, it snows, it's a blizzard. No one knows what the fuck's going on. You don't know how to dress. Your body's all over the place. It's terrible. <laughs> Let's break down into soccer, man. We have some, you know, EPL coming to an end. We're going to break down the Champions League semifinals at length as well. Get into both of these cards. Let's um I guess we'll start there when it comes to soccer, man. I mean, you know me. I'm somebody who likes to eliminate as much variance as I possibly can, and I feel as if soccer <laughs> yeah, is soccer then, yeah. yeah, soccer is the embodiment of variance, man. How do you know from a philosophical standpoint what is kind of, you know, the ways that you have found to, you know, make the, all of these different soccer leagues, you know, um, EPL, the champions league, you've done just about everything philosophically. What is kind of, you know, your philosophical mindset? Uh, yeah, it's a kind of a loaded question, kind of a tough one for sure. So, uh, for those that don't know, I had a couple years where it was just a, a disgusting run and then last year was quite tough. And then this year is sitting, uh, pretty good for champions league. And then for EPL, it's, it's just climbed over uh, positive as we kind of come come down the wire here and I've kind of taken the stance that since this is so such high variance you know my model over four years we're, we're still short of uh of a thousand plays at this point so what kind of changes can I make I don't know that I can even make any at this point like I think I gotta just kind of kind of ride it out for one more season so I have uh five years of data and see kind of kind of where it lands because like you said it's 
it's high variance. So when I take that into the handicap, you know, I know a lot of people will like to bet the these big faves at kind of these uh, ridiculous numbers and parlay them together. And it just seems like such a shit fest that way. Like one of the things I like to look for, and it's no secret, is kind of the, the big home dog for yep. teams that perform very well at home versus uh, what they do on the road. Um, and I know I didn't I bring this up beforehand, so I guess I'm sandbag. It's a, there is one of those this weekend for the league. When you say, you know, it's so funny, I always kind of bust your balls going back and forth about how you bet, you know, these huge underdogs in the EPL yeah. and, and inevitably cash them. Um, you know, I feel like every soccer handicapper's default is always betting an over. You know, you always see these 10 unit bombs on an over two and a half, over this, over that. You're somebody who I've noticed is kind of, like you said, you look for these home underdogs that play well at home and you're more of almost um, an underbetter, I would say. What is kind of, you know, set you apart in that regard? Because again, yourself being a professional better, you know, Usually, I think that, um, and again, I, I know you are in Canada, but it's soccer is not normally the the you know the professional better sport by trade. And again, I know you're so big into football and some other markets as well. But you know, soccer being your bread and butter, kind of, what are the, some other things that have kind of set you apart and been able to make it so profitable? So there's this thing in soccer, and it's called uh, expected goals. And you know, there's there's something similar for NHL, and you, know, you can produce something similar for baseball for those that are kind of into modeling and a little bit more of the statistical look. So a real quick breakdown is expected goals is they, you kind of plot the, the shot map of where these shots are coming from and how often a goal would come from that spot. And you can get like a pretty decent predictive stat uh, that um, can be can be predictive, really. Uh, but when you're comparing it against the market, there's three big producers of expected goal stats. Uh, understat being probably the biggest one. So when people think that they have an angle using expected goals, there's a couple things that they're missing out on. Uh, one is, you know, when you're using these free sites for the data, it's not taking into account who's shooting the ball. So um, maybe I'll tie this into maybe uh, NBA since the playoffs are going on. So if I could tell you, you could have uh, Kevin Durant taking a, a three-point shot versus uh, some kind of league bench player who would you pick <laughs> Durant, um, obviously. Ex- right but expected goals doesn't take that into account so if i could have harry kane who's or, or one of the more prolific goal scorers versus uh yashida who's a, a, a you know a below average defender taking a shot i would want that accounted for and when you, you're using these free sites it's not uh and typically what people are doing is because they're using these sites it's creating a lot more value when you're running the number on overs so if you have an over and it's set at say 2.75 or three goals so at 2.75 as the goal line you need three goals to win half your stake the issue is it's kind of baiting you into these lines using the the expected goals that are over inflating what's actually happening um so that's where i've kind of found some some value on unders is in looking at who is actually taking these chances for these teams and coming up with a uh, what I think is a lot more predictive of a of a number because I'm taking out some of this uh, call it noise or, or garbage really for lack of a better term. I love that, man. Again, you know, I'm the same way when it comes to baseball and, and trying to eliminate as much variance as possible. Let's start with the EPL just because it's finishing up uh, two weeks into sure. the season now. Um, f- you know, when you look at the the season that was in EPL, has it differed in any, you know, vast way from past ones? I know you've hit some huge futures in the in the, in the past. Um, is mm-hmm. it, you know, kind of been anything out of the ordinary or kind of as a whole embodiment? What's, you know, the kind of been going on with EPL this year? 
Uh, you know, a bit of the bit of the same story as last year. No few, no huge futures to be had because it's been kind of dominant by uh, one team in particular with Man City. This year, we've seen uh, two pretty historic performances from uh, not only City but Liverpool. So, uh, in my calculation, I had you know a, a one point four percent difference between the two teams. And if you look at what's separating them right now in the standings, it's going to be one point. But what's not being said is that one point is coming from literally about four to five centimeters. Uh, City had a goal cross the line by about a centimeter and Liverpool had it not be a goal by a centimeter. And that's legitimately what is the difference between these two teams right now. And kind of as it comes down to it and the way the Premier League set up is um, Neither really has to play anyone that's too too great down the stretch, so it's looking like it's going to be cities to take just just by default at this point. Is there any teams, you know, relegation, all that type of stuff coming into it? Any teams that have either really surprised you in a good way or really, you know, kind of shocked at how the performance that they've had um, when you break down these teams in the EPL? Uh, in terms of uh, relegation, not not really. I mean. I think anyone could have pegged who these bottom feeders were going to be at the start of the year, and they're right there. And it, you know, it's they deserve to go down. Huddersfield has been historically terrible. I can't wait to see them drop because they cost me a lot of money last year when they were uh, uh, on the right side of variance and outperforming a lot of things that they should have. But uh, in terms of big surprises or or anything like that, um, not necessarily. I think something setting up very nicely. Uh, for next year in that I think uh, Crystal Palace is going to surprise a lot of people and come in as a, a top six side. Why do you say that? Um, they performed unbelievably well on the road, but it's not to a level that's unsustainable. Uh, and then they were terrible at home, which has gone against kind of everything that they've been for the last four or five years. I mean, just as a kind of sidebar, like, their whole uh, Selhurst Park really is a fortress. Um, it's kind of known as the, you know, this holy grail of if you get a ticket to a Crystal Palace game as someone who's not a season ticket holder, it's almost like a holy shit thing. Uh, I've been trying for four or five years. I go out to the UK twice a year to watch as much soccer as I can. And I, for the life of me, I have not been able to get a ticket to these games. It's their home field advantage is unbelievable, and it's just been a lot of variants where they haven't cashed in on it at home this year. Um, their best player, Wilfred Zaha, who I have down as the most valuable player in the Premier League, just based on what he means to that team. Um, and, you know, there's obviously players better than him, but because he is so much better than what Palace has to offer, you know, most of his goals are coming away from home, and that's just not something that's going to continue. He's going to start to be as productive at home as he is on the road. And I think you're going to see uh, a real switch there for them. I know you've always said that, man, the Crystal Palace has been kind of your home underdog favorite that because of how intimate yeah. and how small that setting is. I'm so glad that you brought that one up. Is, um, we look at EPL, man, like is, you know, how does it differ from, let's say, a league like Champions League or any of these other leagues out here? I know it's kind of looked at as the, you know, the elite, the crown jewel in the soccer mm -hmm. community. Is that, you know, make a difference in betting it just because the level of um, performance and players is so much higher? Um, and kind of what are the biggest differences between a, a league like uh, English Premier League versus, you know, a Champions League or whatever? So in most other European leagues and in these European uh it kind of races what you'll see is the physicality isn't that big of a factor and for that reason you won't have as many upsets you won't have as many um you you won't have as many markets that are, are bettable necessarily because in the premier league 
physicality is rewarded. You know, you'll hear people say that Arsenal isn't built for uh, Premier League football right now. And there's a lot of Arsenal fans who will disagree, but that's nothing negative. They're just more built for the European style where they're very technical. They're very precise. Uh, and they don't have that kind of physical edge. So when they go up against someone like, say, a Watford who can play with that physicality, it, it presents a real problem if you're Arsenal, uh, and it presents a real interesting opportunity if you're uh, a sports better. And that's why I'm drawn to the Premier League is, you know, you can see this kind of any given Sunday thing based on how different uh, the teams are developed in the UK versus, you know, it's in uh, Spain or even in Germany. Is there any other, you know, specifically super different styles, you know, where they're, if they're playing? I mean, my God, there's soccer in Russian leagues, there's Iraq leagues, you, there, it's literally all <laughs> over the world. Is there anything that's like really, you know, stands out as specific styles where teams can only play, you know, um, in that type of league? You're starting to see in general uh, a switch to more positive play just based on what's been coming out of Germany. Um, I can't speak to what's been going on in the Middle East. I don't, I don't follow that at all. It's, it's too much there. Um, but yeah, you're starting to see some more positive play across Europe. And I think a lot of that has to do with what's come out of Germany and Germany recently. Well, to put a bow on EPL, man, anything, I know the the next slate will be up on next Saturday, anything kind of come to mind there, or does there, you know, any futures bets to win now that there's only um, two weeks left in the season, or, or is there any type of value to be had in the EPL before we switch over and get to the brunt of Champions League? Uh, this Saturday, Bournemouth is like plus 315 at home to Tottenham. And uh, we're going to touch on Tottenham here. They're having a real tough go with uh, midweek. And then uh, that's not an easy place to go play. And uh, Bournemouth only knows how to go forward at home. So that could be an interesting one and uh, definitely a price worth looking at. Let's philosophically, is there, um, you know, Champions League as we, you know, kind of put a bow on EPL and move over to Champions League. Is there, you know, what is this league? I guess for anyone that doesn't know, how does it come about? The dates, where do, do these players come from? Are they in the EPL while also doing Champions League stuff? Kind of how does this come, um, you know, come about and all that? It's the best of the best. So for uh, the Premier League, you get the top four teams. Then it's the, the couple of the top Spanish sides, uh, top Italian sides, top, uh, you, you know, it's, it is the top teams uh, across all of the major European domestic leagues. Um, and so what you end up getting is a, a market that, one, is has a lot of liquidity, so it, it's really hard to find an edge because there's so much going on in it and so many bets. And then, you know, these teams aren't playing a lot uh, against each other. There's, there's nothing really to draw on, and it's hard to compare apples to oranges. So... Um, it really comes down to a, a stylistic approach. And if you can find an edge, say, in uh, how you think the teams are going to line up. That's so interesting to me, man. Is So when we look at Champions League, is there anything of value that makes sense? We'll, I guess we'll start from a futures perspective there. Um, the semifinals obviously kicking off uh, tomorrow. This was coming out a day early for that and Wednesday. Um, so from an overall standpoint in the futures market, does anything make a lot of sense for you um, when you look at Champions League to win? Um, so I am currently holding like a, a 66 to one on, uh, Ajax to win and a 46 to one. So, uh, I won't be touching anything. I'm super nervous. I hope they, you know, if they can get a result against Tottenham, I'll be, uh, in a decent spot. Um, if someone's looking to get involved in the futures, if, uh, we want to talk about the Barcelona, Barcelona, sorry, Liverpool game first, um, 
Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll do this. We'll say could... all the futures. It's Barcelona plus 130, Liverpool uh, plus 220, uh, Tottenham plus, uh, four to one, and Ajax at four to one there as well. Yeah, so I think um, if you want to get involved in the market, you can wait for the first leg to be over. So if you wait till after Wednesday when Barcelona probably picks up the win to some degree against Liverpool, and you can come back to Liverpool, uh, come back on Liverpool, who should see their odds disproportionately uh, increase from where they are now. Um, and why I say that is it, they're not, I, I can't see Liverpool going into Camp Nou and taking a win. I mean, Barcelona haven't dropped uh, uh, a home leg in the knockout stage in 10 years. Uh, it's a fortress. Um, you know, I, I could see a 2 1 Barcelona kind of thing. And if we see something like that, Liverpool's odds are going to go. Uh, up quite substantially just based off one game when they then get to play the second leg at home uh, and can make some noise there as they have done all year. We look at these kind of final four teams here. What is kind of the style of each one that lends itself to either maybe more unders, more overs, money lines, all that type of stuff when we compare Barcelona, Liverpool, Tottenham and Ajax? Kind of how are they all different stylistically in the players that they have? Uh, so... Um, yeah, so with Barcelona and Liverpool, I think automatically your mind would go, okay, this is an over. It's an easy over. I don't know that I necessarily see it that way. I mean, the total set at three. I see the argument for wanting to bet an over, but the one thing I would caution is this is the first leg. Um, Liverpool very well could play kind of a sit back, try and catch them on the counter, get the away goal, which is so massive in these uh, in these two leg ties. Um and, you know, they, they do have the personnel to do it. Uh, I would worry about that back line being able to keep a clean sheet. But, you know, at 2-1, people are saying this is a, a risk-free bet. And it's like, well, a risk-free bet, if I'm looking at an over, is something more like uh, a 2.0, a 2.25, where I just need two goals to be feeling decent. When you, you're talking about needing three goals to be getting your money back, I don't know that that's necessarily that risk-free investment that you'd want to be, uh, be making. So, um if we're talking about an angle to attack this Barcelona-Liverpool game, um, I believe Barcelona is like 1.4 or something um, to get the win at home. I don't see much in that. Liverpool has been terrible away from home uh, in the tournament. And then, yeah, as I mentioned before, Barcelona is a uh, camp news of fortress. I, I can't see them picking up a win there, but I'm not interested in the price. And I think the overset uh, at something that's going to keep me away from it. My angle for this one's going to be um, wait for Barcelona to probably pick up the win here and then attack Liverpool on uh, the second leg on a pretty juicy to advance number. I think right now they're plus 117, plus 120 to advance. If they lose, you know, depending how much they lose by, because uh, that's a whole different thing in itself, you might be seeing a plus 200 or more. I like it, man. Let's go to the Tuesday game. Uh, Tottenham and Ajax, kind of how, what are you know what are the strengths and weaknesses of these two teams? And again, both of these two advanced Tottenham uh, minus 110, Ajax minus 130, over under set at a two and a half here. And so again, just kind of stylistically, how do these two teams match up between Ajax and Tottenham? Sure. So if Tottenham was healthy for this game, uh, I think it would be a much different story. They're going to be without Harry Kane, who I mentioned earlier is a, really a, a prolific striker. I mean, he gets... He gets beat up. He gets dragged through the mud as someone who doesn't perform in the big games or kind of lets his country down. However, uh, he is an elite player, and it's hard to ignore that. Um, in his stead, Tottenham have gotten away with playing uh, Son, who, who is quite uh, amazing in his own right, 
but he's going to be out with uh, suspension for this. So um, you're probably going to see a combination of, uh, you know, Lorente and Deli Ali, who hasn't been uh, all that great this year, um, which I think is going to represent a problem when you're talking about probably the best young up-and-coming uh, centre-back uh, in the world that Ajax has. So uh, I see that being a problem. And one thing I really like uh, going into tomorrow is uh, Ajax plus a, plus a quarter. Um, I know probably a lot of American people are listening to this, so you couldn't get that line necessarily. Yeah, so it's Ajax uh, pick and plus a half at minus 140, I think is the same thing. Yeah, so you could just essentially make your own line there. Um, and essentially what it would be is if it's a draw, you're winning back half your money, which is, I think, a, a steal given everything that's going on with uh, Tottenham right now. Um, one thing that's not being talked about, and it's kind of being talked about, a, if it is being talked about at all, is uh, a plus for them, is uh, Tottenham's new stadium and how it's kind of like this this state-of-the-art facility. It's it, The crowd's up, they're energetic. Um, and I'm going to tie it into something that you kind of like, Pino, which is, Betting these uh, first half NBA unders when the sight lines are, or sorry, uh, first half unders for the March Madness tournament when the sight lines are different for these shooters. Yes. Um, same thing applies for, uh, you know, Tottenham at this point. Like they just dropped to West Ham at home. They've lost three of their last four. Granted, a couple of those games were against City, but, you know, they had a win against Brighton that was less than convincing, and Brighton's one of the worst teams in the Premier League. So, um, yeah, like it's great they have this new stadium, but maybe kind of some of that luster of the first couple games is wearing off at this point. And now players are having those issues where, um, you know, their, their logo markers aren't the same. Uh, they're shooting from different spots. Their sight lines are a little different. Um, and that home field advantage isn't being priced appropriately. It's still being priced. Like it, it's this fortress because it's brand new. And, and maybe we should be looking at it as, well, hold on. Like, is that necessarily a good thing? There's plenty of examples in the past where after a few games at a new stadium, you know, teams kind of go through a lull and it takes a while to get settled. I love that angle, man. That is the speaking to my heartstrings. When we talk about the sight lines and first half unders and you know, Ryan and Sean talk about it on out on the main feed as well. Um, Barcelona and Liverpool. Again, I know you kind of touched on that talking about the overs here, but we'll just go over it one more time. Barcelona to advance yeah. minus 140. Liverpool, uh, even money plus 100. Total set at over two and a half and over three minus 120. Under two and a half and under three minus 120. Um, the draw prices aren't available there or aren't available yet. Um, is there anything kind of makes sense here? Um, I know you again, touched on a little bit of why the over philosophically makes a little bit of sense, but anything else here for how they match up? Uh, I, I think it, it's quite tight. Um, I, you know, it's, there's a saying that Barcelona goes how Messi goes, which is, you know, he's, uh, one of the best players ever. So yeah, like they go how he goes and does Liverpool have what it takes to, to shut him out completely? Probably not, but you know, this Barcelona side, isn't necessarily this defensive powerhouse. They've had games where they've struggled. So I could see Liverpool picking up some just at that three line. When you're talking about needing four goals to cash, it's it's not something I want to be involved in. If you want to look at a live line, maybe, and this thing starts slow, um, and given that it's first leg, that's absolutely a possibility. And then maybe you're looking at uh, a two and a half late where, you know, that makes a lot more sense. Um, but as it stands, no, nothing for me. I'm going to wait and see how that one plays out. Uh, and hope that Barcelona picks Barcelona, sorry, picks up the win, so I can come back and get uh, get Liverpool at a nice price to advance. 
All right, man. When we look at these, you know, kind of projecting this forward here, what do you kind of see as the most likely scenario for each team to, or out of the four to advance and then the likely finals matchup uh, to preview that? Again, Barcelona plus 130, Liverpool plus 220, Tottenham uh, 4-1, to one, and Ajax 4-1 to one as well. Um, you know, not to sit here and put a gun to your head and say, you know, who wins this weekend um, and who wins the finals and all that, but how do you kind of see this uh, tail end of this tournament playing out, you know, to finality? Sure, sure. So uh, I like it as... Uh, Barcelona picks up the win this weekend uh, and Ajax surprises uh, some people, uh, even though, you know, at this point, it shouldn't be a surprise. Like they are a powerhouse in their own right. And they got a really good matchup uh, against Tottenham, given all the injuries they have and all the suspension trouble. So um, my final prediction would be uh, Liverpool comes back in the second leg, books their spot into the final and they're playing um, they're playing Ajax and uh, Liverpool walk away with it at the end of the day. I like it, man. Anything else you want to talk about to put a bow on an EPL season to talk Champions League? Anything coming up in the future in the soccer world that you want to kind of touch on? Or is that pretty much all of it for the week upcoming for EPL? Yeah, I think that's going to be pretty much all of it. I'm really looking forward to uh, summer off, actually, because uh, <laughs> once this is all done, I'm not going to do much this summer. I've decided I'm going to kind of treat myself, take a little break from it all, because it's been a couple summers in a row where... You know, we've had, uh, well, we just had World Cup last summer and uh, we'll have a summer off before uh, uh, the European Championship is back next summer. Any other leagues that you really are looking forward to besides the European one that comes back after the summer? Um, I, I've been getting into kind of some of the lower tier uh, English leagues, uh, but I'm having a real problem um, with limits. I mean, the, the like League One is and League Two, like, 20 minutes before kickoff there's a 250 dollars limit on it just it's hard to get that excited about something like that yep um but i've been trying to follow it a bit more and and see if there's anything in there um i think the playoff for the promotion for the uh, premier league coming up is going to be something to watch i don't know if you caught this christian um did you see you might have seen it the highlight of uh aston villa and Leeds play from this past weekend i did not so there's like some kind of controversy around it. One of the Villa players went down uh, and kind of what's the accepted protocol is if there's an injury. Uh, most players will put the ball out. You don't have to by any means. Uh, Leeds didn't. They went ahead and scored uh, and uh, kind of caused this ruckus, caused the, a little bit of a brawl on the pitch. Um, and then the Leeds uh, managers was like, okay, fuck it, whatever. You're going to let Villa go score in this play. So Villa went down and scored uh, they just like kind of waltzed in and no one moved. And he was like, kind of fuck you to Villa. And you like, I, I don't need this win. And I think what you're going to see is it's going to really come down to them in Wembley uh, in a couple of weeks time here for the, the promotion um, Two really good teams. It's going to be a, a hard fought game. And I kind of like uh, Villa in that one. I want to, before I get you out of here, I want to ask you one thing for anyone that may be new to the soccer betting world, um, sure. you know, philosophically, what would you tell people just getting into the soccer world and how would we, you know, to handicap it, look more totals. How do you kind of go about all these different leagues, players playing in, you know, multiple teams, multiple leagues, all that type of stuff as soccer breaks apart. Sure. Um, I think the big one is, and this is, you know, what I found some success in is not trying to bet every league, because if you come up with a system or you come up with, kind of a way of looking at these stats or if you're not using stats for you, you know, handicapping based on something else, there's hundreds of leagues, thousands of teams. It's, it's too much to get into right away. So I would pick something you can focus on something that interests you. 
Um, take a look at expected goals because it, it's something pretty major in the space that you can use as a pretty good analytical tool. Just be aware of its, uh, of its deficiencies and see if you can find a way to make them more efficient. I love it, man. Again, the mill at money mills, Mark M zero N E Y on Twitter. Anything else you have going on, man? I know you're doing, um, you know, various content video with a bunch of different companies and all that type of stuff. Where can people find all your great soccer content? Yeah. So, uh, I'm working a little bit with, uh, blitz predict that slow down until the NFL season comes back up, but you can uh, catch some of the stuff I'm doing there. Uh, thanks to Brett Ritchie and uh, a shout out to them. Uh, and then I also got, uh, um, uh, House Money Media, which I do with uh, Melhouse, a buddy of mine, fellow Canadian, uh, on Twitter, where uh, it, we have a channel and we kind of go over some of this stuff, and uh, we're looking to pick that up going into the summer. So if you have any questions about that, feel free to reach out. Awesome, man. Well, can't thank you enough for taking the time out to talk some Champions League and put a bow on EPL. We will talk soon, my friend. Absolutely, man. Take care. And as always, guys, this interview in this podcast brought to you by MyBookie. MyBookie.ag is the official online sports book of the Sports Gaming Podcast Network and the Inside Vegas Podcast. You play, you win, you get paid at MyBookie.ag. And again, promo code SGP50. I'll get you a 50% deposit bonus up to $3,000. We're also brought to you by Amazon. You know you're going to shop at Amazon already with your Prime membership. Do that and support the podcast. Go to SportsGamingPodcast.com slash Amazon. Bookmark that link and support the Inside Vegas Podcast. The Sports Gaming Podcast Network and the regular SGP feed. Mm-hmm.